Y'all are the most blessed people on the face of the earth. You know, I don't know why things always work out sometimes like they do. If I could teach y'all anything tonight, it would be I don't understand and know why things sometimes go like they go. But one thing I do know is, man, we always win. Amen? Praise God. I, uh, I wasn't supposed to be here tonight, and uh, I came home early from Guatemala. I was supposed to be home Friday, and, and uh, Lex is always really scheduled to preach tonight, and I'm so glad he was scheduled to preach because I didn't get in last night till 2.30, and so uh, I'm just kind of like barely standing here. My spirit is alive and strong and well, and my flesh says, go to bed. But, uh, yeah, well, it was all good. The trip was great. I can just tell you all that. I, 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 I'll tell you some other things at the end of the service because I want to turn it over to Lex. But I, I got I to gotta just tell you this one thing. You know, I'm, I'm having, since, since being there in whenever we were in February, then again in March, and then now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm around the children a whole lot more than before. And I've got to tell you that all these years that we've been at the orphanage, you know, there's, there, you know, we've got, got little children, you know, and then the little children have been growing up because we never took in teenagers. So there's just been little kids growing up all these years. Well, you know, I mean, I, 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 it sounds terrible, you know. I would, might recognize my own grandchildren, but, you know, when you just get 100 children, it's hard to get. And then every once in a while there's one that, you know, they just look different or whatever, and you – you kind of pick them out, you know, and you kind of watch them grow, but then you just go once a year, twice a year, you know, and then you don't really see them growing. And then, so, so uh, on this trip, you know, it was kind of like I've been there so much, I'm getting to see everybody's face, I'm looking at all the teenagers. Laura and I had talked about how that over the years we've seen the little kids grow up, but now they're college kids and they're gone, that there's a new, new bunch of teenagers that we've got to get to know better and, and understand. They've been there the whole time, but they've just been little kids, you know. And so the thing I love that, that is so, to me, a blessing about, about Casa Angelina is that, well, there's several things, but one of them is, is that they let the kids be their own individual selves, okay? They don't, we're not trying to make what we think a Christian child should look like. So you've got one group of girls over here, and they're kind of like the gangster girls. You know, they got their hat caps on backwards, and they're, they're being that person. And then you've got these other over here, they're just little girls, and then you've got the boys over here, and some boys just have normal hair. Some of the boys have longer hair, and they're letting them develop and be who they want to be. And so there's this one boy, and I noticed him. I hate to say it because I noticed him because his hair was longer. And I looked over there, but as I was looking at his face, I was like, who are you? You know, like, as you've been growing up here, and I didn't ask, and I was just looking and said, who are you? You know, I should know you. And his facial features are kind of different, and I kept looking at him and thinking, I know you, but I don't know you. Now you're grown up. He's 15. And so his name's Nielsen. And the name stuck with me when I heard his name because I'm like, Nielsen, because I used to laugh all the time. Who names a Guatemalan kid Nielsen? Right? I mean, that is like, this doesn't fit. Well, so he's there, and I'm, I'm looking at him and everything, and then all of a sudden it hits me. I... It was like at night, I, I just had this vision, and I could see him when he was just this little bitty boy. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, that is that Nielsen. That's, 
that's him that's grown up now. And here he is as this teenager and developing. And then so I, I, I told Bethany, because it just choked me up, I was like, my gosh, this, he's developed and here he is. And she said, oh, yeah. And I got to tell you a story that she says that every one of the kids at some point come to a place where they start to rebel, that they, they start listening to the lies of the enemy, they start hating God, they start hating the orphanage, they start hating Andrew and Bethany, and Bethany is just such a type of person. She just looks at them and says, you know, you're just listening to the devil. We'll talk tomorrow. Go ahead. You're just being emotional. We'll see what you do. Because she just mothers them, all 143 of them, you know. And she said, Nielsen's just been through that, and that at the meeting the week before I was there, he just finally broke and just started to cry and weep and say, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I've been thinking. I've been listening to the devil. He's been lying to me. I love Jesus. I love God. I love this place. I love y'all. I want to stay here. I want to serve God all the days of my life. And, and had this real come to Jesus moment. And then there I saw him, and I was like, I was like, God, thank you for letting us be a part of that. Y'all just don't understand. I can't not, I, I, I can't, there's no words I can say to y'all to get you to fathom what Living Waters Church is doing as a part of this whole orphanage of, of being there to see that these kids grow up and are going to become princes and princesses in the, in the kingdom of God for what he's doing in Guatemala. I mean, it is just fantastic. And now that I see, and then I realize those little bitty ones over there, you know, they're growing up and they're going to be there. It's a continual continual thing going on and on and on. And I just so blessed that we're a part of it. I'm so blessed that we get to, we get to, that God chose us out here in the middle of nowhere, you know? And uh, the kids all come up and hug us and they, and, and they do it because we're always there and they always see us and they know that we're, we're, we're with them and that we love them. And, uh, you know, it just blows my mind. It blows my mind of what, how God's arranged this whole thing. So I want you to understand, no matter what you've done financially, if you, it's not about how much finances you've given. It's that you're a part of this church. And as you're a part of this church and you pray for us and you pray for them and you pray for man, you just, you're going to be shocked when you get to heaven. You all are going to be shocked when you get to heaven of what took place by what you did here in Utopia down there. You're going to be blown away. Jesus, I'm telling you, is going, you're going to be shocked and say, really? So praise God. So anyway, I'll tell you some more later, uh, some more great news, some great things happened today. But uh, anyway, so I, I did, I was, like I said, I don't understand why things work like they do. I was on the airplane trying to get home. I should have had a smooth flight, should have landed in Houston at 4.30, flown to San Antonio, been home at, at or, or been to San Antonio by 7 o'clock and and the plane, because the storms got diverted to San Antonio. I said, praise God, I'm in San Antonio at 4 o'clock, glory to God. And they wouldn't let us off the plane because we hadn't cleared immigration and customs. So I sat in the tarmac in the San Antonio airport on the plane for three and a half hours. Looking out the window saying, this is where I want to be. This is where I want to be. And I can't get off the plane. So I went and asked the the, uh, the uh, pilot, the captain, he happened to be there, and I said, sir, what do I have to do to be thrown off this plane? 
And he looked at me, and I said, this is my destination point. This is where I'm supposed to be. And uh, so what do I have to do to be thrown off? And he said, well, I hate to tell you, but it's going to have to be something pretty severe. And I said, well, I can handle it. <laughs> and he said, yeah, but then we're going to have to have you arrested, and then that won't be good. And I said, but I will get to spend the night in San Antonio. <laughs> so after three and a half hours, they flew me back to Houston, dumped me in the airport with all the other people that had missed their flights. I missed my flight. There was one left. I had to go get on standby, pray that I could get on, and finally got on, and then that plane sat on the tarmac for another hour and a half because of storms, and then finally took off. So I got to San Antonio last night at 12.30 and then had to drive home. So I got home at 2 o'clock, and I got no sense right now. So I was glad Lex was set up to preach. So come on, Lex. Come on up and take it right now. I'll tell everybody else the rest of the things. So, praise God. Yeah, you got your mic. Well, Pastor, you have permission to go to sleep. Well, it's good to be back in the house of the Lord and to fellowship with the saints. Jeannie and I had a wonderful week. Uh, we celebrated our 48th wedding anniversary at the end of the hills in Kerrville where we uh, had our uh, honeymoon. And it was a blast. We, uh, we took pictures of ourselves in the exact place where we were 48 years ago, before and after pictures. <laughs> and uh, we had a really great time. And then um, this weekend, uh, I graduated from high school in uh, Fort Worth at Arlington Heights High School, and we had a high school class reunion, graduated in 67, and... Uh, so we had a, a reunion at uh, Jyoti Garcia's in uh, Fort Worth at, by the Stockyards, and uh, 60-some-odd people were there, and it was amazing uh, to see everybody. Uh, and the reason why we were having the reunion was because everybody's turning 70 this year. And, uh, and so uh, we got to see the people, but... One of the things that really struck me, and, and Robert has already somewhat alluded to it, is um, the, the passage of time. And, uh, and to me, the, the, that time from 67 to now went like that. And um, so, uh, you know, I just praise the Lord that we are in His care, that uh, we have eternal life. And... Um, and we belong to Him. So, um, so, well, now to the message. So get your Bibles out. Uh, this is probably going to be a hard message for some people. And I'm sorry, it's what the Holy Spirit gave me uh, for the church. And, uh, but we're going to begin in the Gospel of John chapter 1 and verse 1. And you know these verses really, really well, I'm sure. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. And I'm going to read the first three verses of uh, John. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. That, that is profound. 
That means that God is self-existent. He has always been. He always will be. And through Him, through that Word, He created everything. There is nothing that was not created by Him. And the Word is, is God. The Word was God. And we can also say that because He is His Word, then His Word is His will. Amen? Okay. So, given that, I want to, ta- I want to read one little phrase out of A.W. Tozer's book, The Knowledge of the Holy. Uh, last time I had the Wednesday night service, I, I uh, read a little bit out of here on another occasion. But um, this is in a chapter called The Self-Existence of God. And he says, because we are the handiwork of God... It follows that all our problems and their solutions are theological. Let me read that again. Because we are the handiwork of God, it follows that all our problems and their solutions are theological. Now, we, sometimes we get hung up by that word theological uh, because it seems to have a lot of religious trappings associated with it. But actually, the word theological means based on the nature and will of God. So we've already established from the Gospel of John that in the beginning was the Word, and and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He created everything through His Word. And therefore, it stands to reason that because we are created by Him, we are His creation, then all our problems and their solutions are theological. They're based upon the nature and the will of God. He goes on to say, some knowledge of what kind of God it is that operates the universe is indispensable to a sound philosophy of life and a sane outlook on the world scene. We have to know God. 2 Peter 3.18 says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are supposed to be growing into a knowledge of who He is. So, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. As you know, that's one of the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. And um, in verse 19, he says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Our body, the Greek word is soma. It means our flesh, our body. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in this body. This body 
is just the temple, that, that edifice that the Holy Spirit lives in. Just like the temple in Jerusalem was the edifice that, the, that God lived in in the Holy of Holies. That's our body, Soma. And, and it says here that we do not belong to ourselves. We are not our own. We were bought with a price. So we don't even own ourselves. He does. He bought us. He bought us for a very, very precious price called the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. And because He bought us, then we have become His possession. We are not our own, but we do have a duty. And He says it right here, you must honor God with your body. Other versions say, glorify God with your body. The Greek word is doxazo, and it means to give glory to. It means to impart glory to something. It means to make glorious. So in our body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit in us, whom we have from God, we are to impart glory to Him in our body. We're, we're stewards of our body. We don't own ourselves anymore, but now because we walk around in this body and we are a temple of the Holy Spirit in us, then we must be good stewards of God's possession. We have to take care of this body that houses the Holy Spirit. That's not Lex's words. It's, it's written right here. So now let's flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And we're going to look at verses 24 through 27. I love this imagery that the Apostle Paul writes through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Because he, he uses the picture, the analogy of a race. Verse 24, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. In the RSV that I memorized this in, it says, run that you may obtain it. So, we're, we're in a race, and we're running a race to gain a prize, and we need to run in order to win that prize. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So, I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. In the RSV, he says, I pommel my body. 
that I may subdue it. And the, the Greek word for that, the, the discipline of the body or the pommeling of the body is hupopiazo, and it means to beat black and blue. It means to discipline by hardship. What, what is he talking about there? He says, I am disciplining my body. Soma. So, he doesn't say I'm disciplining my mind. He doesn't say I'm disciplining my spirit. He's saying I am disciplining my body. I am subduing it. Because what from the time that we were born to the time that we accepted Christ, our body ruled. We lived by our five senses. We lived to gratify our body. But now that we are in Christ, we have to take the same, um, the same position the Apostle Paul is saying here, and we need to discipline, we need to beat black and blue, we need to train our body by hardship to fall into line and, and training it to do what it should. The word for training is dulagogeo, and it means to lead away into slavery. It means to treat as a slave. So our spirit, where the Holy Spirit lives in us, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, our spirit now rules our body. We treat our body as a slave. We bring it into subjection. We subdue it. Why? So that we can run the race. So that we can obtain the prize. So that after preaching to others, we will not be disqualified. Amen? Okay. So, let's go to Philippians chapter 3. This is my most favorite chapter in the Bible. And you should know that, that in this chapter, in Paul writing to the church at Philippi, he, he says, hey, you know, I'm the Pharisee of Pharisees. If I've got anything to brag about, I'm the one. I have a lot to brag about. But he talks about the fact that he counts all of that as garbage that he might obtain Christ. And then I want to pick up in, in verse 10. Because, as A.W. Tozer said, that, that we need to know God. We need to know about this, who this self-existent God is so that we may know how to live. And, um, and so Paul says in verse 10, I want to know Christ. At this point in his life, Paul had been through shipwrecks, beatings, robbings. He had learned how to uh, do without. He had learned to do in abundance. If there's anybody who knew Christ, it was the Apostle Paul, and yet he says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. 
I want to suffer with Him sharing in His death so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. That was His position. That was His earnest desire. He wanted to know Christ, the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His Son. And so he goes on to say, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. That's single-mindedness. This one thing I do, I forget what lies behind, I press on toward what lies ahead. Toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's where I'm going. That's what I'm doing. And that's why I am subduing my body. That's why I pommel my body and I subdue it, that I may obtain the prize. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. Now, Paul's writing to the Christians at church at Philippi, and he's saying, let all who are spiritually mature Agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. So all of us are probably at different ways, different places in our journey. And we need to hold on to what we have already uh, obtained. We need to hold on to the maturity that we have, have come to right now. We should not let go. We should not let go and let go of our freedom in order to go back into bondage. We need to press on in this race. We need to discipline ourselves and we need to set our sight on the goal, the end, the finish line, that we may obtain it. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. Paul's saying, imitate me because I have, I have beat my body. It's under subjection. I have made my body a slave and now I am a slave to Christ and, and I serve Him and Him alone. And here's what makes me weep as it made him weep. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. Their God is their appetite. In some versions, it would say their belly. The Greek word is koelia, and it means belly. It means the entire abdominal cavity. It means the gullet. It means to be given up to the pleasures of the palate 
it means gluttony. Their God is their appetite, and they think only about earthly things. They think about things here on earth, the pleasures of this world. That's what they think of. And it has made them enemies of the cross of Christ. So this is where the hard part is. And I'm sorry, I'm not looking at anybody. But it's, it is true today. As you know, I'm doing a fellowship in integrative medicine. And I'm just going to use an example. And that is obesity. 37% of the adults in the United States of America are obese. 34% of the adults in the United States have the metabolic syndrome. That is like pre-diabetes. It's like pre-heart attack. 23.4 million Americans are diabetic. And, and it all has to do with this. They haven't subdued their bodies and they are rooted in the pleasures of this life. And um, back in the 1800s, um, our forefathers in the 1800s, they would consume in a year's time 10 pounds of sugar. Today, in a year's time, the average American consumes 150 to 180 pounds of sugar. Back in the 1800s, they ate in a day's time 100 grams of fiber. Today, the average fiber intake in a day is 15. 15 grams of fiber. And, and yes, some of it may be due to ignorance. Uh, and not having the, um, the facts. <clears throat> but a large part of it has to do with the soma, the body, and gratifying the body. And so, in a way, it, what I'm saying is that the body of Christ needs to be obedient to the Word of Christ. And the Apostle Paul wasn't throwing words around when he wrote that we are in a race and that we have to subdue our bodies and make it our slave. He was saying, those are God's word. And remember, God's word is his will. So it goes back to, to, to Tozer's statement, which I wholeheartedly agree with, that all our problems and their solutions are theological. They're all based on the nature and the will of God. And so, if, if, if you are obese, if you have hypertension, um, whatever, you, and you approach it from a theological or spiritual standpoint, and now... We run the race with determination and we set our eyes on the author and the finisher of our faith and we get rid of every weight that slows us down 
as we're running this race, then we glorify Him. We impart glory to our Father in heaven. I know a man who, uh, whose blood pressure was running 150 to 160 over 90. And his physician wanted to put him on blood pressure medicine for the rest of his life, calling it essential hypertension. This man came to me and he said, will you counsel me about my situation, my blood pressure? What do I need to do to keep from having to take medication the rest of my life? And I said, well, frankly, the answer is quite simple. You need to change your diet, and you need to exercise. You need to change to a Mediterranean-style diet, and you need to exert yourself. And he took me at my word, and he began to... Uh, change his diet. He began to exercise. And just a few days ago, he sent me an email with a whole list of blood pressures. And in a little over two weeks' time, his blood pressure went from 160 over 90 and averaged 120 over 80. He actually had one in there that was 117 over 78. Just because he brought his body into subjection. He, he trained his body. He subdued it. He made it his slave. And he did what he knew was right. And he's reaping the benefits. And he is glorifying God. So I want to leave you with one thing. This is maybe a um, negative thing I'm leaving you with. But um, James 4.17 says, Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. That's a powerful statement. So, um, I, my prayer is that I have this, this vision, this picture of what this... Robert has alluded to it already. He, he talked about when we get to heaven, we are going to be amazed at what transpired because of our faithfulness to support the orphans and widows in Guatemala. Because we are obedient to the Word. And um, I have this, this picture, this knowing in my knower that this, this little body of Living Waters Church is is going to do exactly what I talked about tonight, what the Holy Spirit has imparted to us tonight, is that when we come into obedience, 
when we glorify him in our body because we are not our own, we were bought with a price, then he is going to do things that we have not, no concept of what he is going to do. And uh, I'm excited. I, I, I sit on the edge of my seat. I stand on my tippy toes just, just thinking about and pondering what he's going to do. Jeremiah 33.3, call upon me and I will show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not. And I call upon him. I call upon him daily and, and, uh, and he continues to reveal things. And, um, and so, but it's just one step at a time putting one foot in front of the other one as He promises to lead us in paths of righteousness for His namesake. Let's pray. So Father God, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You that You are the Word, that You have always existed, that You will always exist, that You are the Alpha and You are the Omega and You hold us in Your hand. Our times are in Your hand. We give ourselves to You. We present ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to You, because that's just our reasonable service. And we refuse to be conformed to this world, but we will be transformed by the renewal of our mind then we may prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So, Father, accept that. We lay ourselves down in front of you. We give you all of us, and we give all of us to all of you. Thank you that you bought us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Links in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you. And remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.